Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. If you are located in the U.S., I hope that you had a great Thanksgiving last week. If you are in any other part of the world listening to this, I hope that your uh, season is going well. I know not everybody's in the winter season, depending on where you are, um, but whatever's going on in your life, you know, it's a lot in the world right now. So I'm really hoping that things are hopefully maybe calm and, and good. And if not, that you have the strength to withstand it because I know a lot of people are going through a lot of things right now. So Today's episode, I'm going to just chat with you a little bit about my story. So if you've been around for a while, you know my story and, um, you know, you're going to hear it again, (laughs) but hopefully hear some uh, different nuances of it um, and understand a little bit more of why I do what I do. And I'm sharing this with you because I've been maybe this, you know, winter season is taking me a little bit deeper and thinking about my deeper purpose in life and the work that I do. Um, and, you know, some of the um, the scary stuff that that comes up when you've been through an intense traumatic experience like I was um, that I went through with. Um, almost losing my life from getting a fibroid removed. And I understand that the majority of you listening have had some major traumatic experience in your life. If you haven't, then you've had a series of, you know, what we'll call little T traumas, um, particularly in childhood that actually impact you probably in deeper ways than you maybe realize unless you've done a lot of, you know, years of therapy around it. So I say that to point out that we all have trauma that we're dealing with, right? And that trauma impacts our health, it impacts our hormones, it impacts our daily life and the way that we move throughout the world. And my belief is, you know, that as we move through life, hopefully we can start to really deeply heal some of these traumas from our childhood, some of the, you know, the bigger traumatic events that could happen anytime in our lives. Um, Obviously some big T traumas happen um, in childhood too, for a lot of people. And so, you know, it's a burden to carry these things around. And not only is it a burden, but it really does impact our hormones and um, our thyroid and our energy and all of these things that give us our vitality in life. Right. So, I wanted to share a little bit about my story. If you haven't heard it, um, if you had, you know, again, bear with me, but um, as I mentioned, I, you know, nearly died from getting a fibroid removed just about three and a half years ago now. So um, I was 39, I believe, and I had been living my life 
um, oblivious to the fact that there was a major fibroid growing inside of me. When I found out I had the fibroid, it was about six centimeters, um, though it's hard to say exactly because by the time I got it out uh, via myomectomy, about two to three months later, it was already eight centimeters. So it could have been larger, you know, um, when they uh, found it on the ultrasound, it's just, you can't always get everything exact every time, or it grew a lot in two months. Um, and so if you don't know what a fibroid is, it's actually um, a benign tumor. So it's, it's an actual tumor that grows on our uterus, um, but it is not cancerous, um, except for, I believe it's one in every 10,000 are cancerous. We don't actually know if they are cancerous until they are removed. And so it's, you know, this situation where you can't biopsy it, you gotta have it taken out to, um, be tested. Majority of them are not, um, they are very, uh, thick fibrous tissue, um, and you know, the difference between that and say ovarian cysts, um, are that, you know, most ovarian cysts kind of come and go with your cycle. There's different types of ovarian cysts. They can be filled with, um, you know, water, they can be filled with blood. Um, they can hang around longer. I had a hemorrhagic, um, cyst that hung around for quite some time. Um, and that's blood filled. Um, and obviously, you know, cysts that can grow pretty large too, um, but there's usually more, uh, pliability, I would say with ovarian cysts versus fibroids. They're this dense tissue that, um, that want to grow. And, you know, from a scientific perspective, as far as we know, um, they are ultimately fed by estrogen. And the reason that this is known is because, you know, they pretty much shrink, for the most part, for most women, once we go into menopause and that's when our estrogen levels drop to basically nothing. Um, we're not producing estrogen from our ovaries, uh, once we get into menopause. Um, and you know, uh, there's also women will be put on, um, estrogen blockers when they have fibroids and that can help to uh, diminish the fibroids. Also women that are pregnant will, um, some women will have fibroids grow during that time because of the intense amount of estrogen, um, that kicks in, especially, um, you know, past the first trimester. So this is something that, you know, we know that it is quote unquote fed by estrogen. There's lots of different other elements to it that I'm not going to go into right now. In certain cases, it seems that can also be fed by progesterone, which is a toughie, right? Because, um, in a lot of ways we want to, um, I don't want to say battle exactly, but we want to combat the growth of a fibroid by making sure that our progesterone levels are nice and, um, you know, in line with our estrogen levels. And a lot of times our progesterone levels are too low as compared to our estrogen levels. So it's unfortunate that in some cases, you know, progesterone, it seems that they're progesterone receptors on fibroids too, that help them to grow. And we don't really know when, you know, when is what. So there is some debate around, um, if a fibroid is smaller, that you're pretty safe in terms of doing some progesterone replacement therapy, hormone replacement therapy, bioidenticals. Um, they do also use, um, you know, progestins in terms of birth control to help 
uh, combat at least the symptoms of fibroids. And sometimes that can keep them from growing too. Um, so yeah, a, there's a debate that sometimes, you know, if they're smaller, you can sort of use that therapy. If they're larger, say over six centimeters, then that is the, the kind of area of when they might start to really uh, be fed by that progesterone. So lots of studies still need to be done on fibroids. There has not been enough studies considering that, you know, 70% of white women will have a fibroid by the time they're 50, 80% of black women in America will have a fibroid by the time they're 50. Not every one of us knows. Um, and I don't mention other races because they don't have specifics around other races, um, which is unfortunate too, because it would be, you know, another aspect of studying the fibroids to understand um, the different components underneath that. But, um, you know, we have to kind of work with what we, what we've got. Right. And in my work on myself and with other women that have fibroids, which I continue to add to the, um, the, the little grab bag of things that can support you in, you know, diminishing fibroids, um, but one of the, you know, the biggest things that we really want to look at is not just your estrogen levels, but how you're metabolizing that estrogen, because there are certain pathways that will essentially be uh, leading to fibroid growth, also ovarian cyst growth, fibrocystic breasts, uh, fibrocystic cyst in your breast growth, um, and you know, unfortunately, this sort of estrogen dominant situation, it really comes down to this metabolizing of estrogen in your liver. And it's not so simple as just, okay, you take this one supplement and it's going to metabolize down the more protective pathway. There's lots of layers to it, right? And we really want to see how your phase one and phase two liver detox is doing. Um, that's, that's a biggie on there. So I kind of went off topic. I didn't actually mean to dive too much into fibroids in this discussion today, though I will be talking more um, in 2022. Um, I've got some people that will be on the podcast talking about some different areas about this. I've been diving really deeply lately into some genetic components, um, particularly the COMPT gene, C-O-M-T, which um, oversees estrogen metabolism. And it also is a big factor in anxiety um, and dealing with um, neurotransmitters like dopamine. And I'm finding that um, a lot of my clients that have fibroids do also deal with um, pretty intense anxiety. So I'll be, you know, discussing that more and talking to some people, some more experts in the field around that, if that is something that you are dealing with. Um, so I hope that you tune in for that next year, but back on track here, the fibroid came unexpectedly for me. So, you know, I will say that I was leading what I thought was a pretty healthy lifestyle, um, at 39, you know, I had, um, I think at 38, I had taken a year off of drinking alcohol. I had done the autoimmune, uh, protocol diet, uh, excuse me, autoimmune paleo diet. Um, and you know, I was feeling pretty good. I had a very regular cycle, um, after years of dealing with horrible cramps and nausea and vomiting, you know, as a youth, 
Um, and even into my twenties with my cycle, um, I didn't have that anymore. I had, you know, it was pretty much like, oh, it's here and we moved through it. And that was all through a lot of dietary changes that I made in my, you know, mid to late twenties and into my thirties. And so it was, it came as a surprise to me when, you know, basically I remember one period, all of a sudden it was five days early. And that was very strange for me because that had, you know, like I said, it was very regular. And I noticed that period was much heavier than my periods traditionally were. So suddenly I started having these, you know, heavier periods. And I noticed that really monthly it would kick five days early every month. So essentially I went from, you know, a 29 day cycle was my, my regular cycle to essentially like, a, you know, um, five days earlier each month. So whatever that equates to 24 day cycle or something like that. Um, you know, and at the time I just thought, well, I'm heading into perimenopause, um, you know, so that might be what's going on. Um, but it got to the point where I was bleeding so excessively that I would, you know, have to change, take out my diva cup every one to two hours to dump the blood. And that is not, that was not normal at all for me. Um, but I didn't really think to do anything about it until one day I was trying to put my diva cup in, uh, first day of one of my periods and it didn't go all the way in properly. And so I kind of dug around in there with my fingers and I felt a bump. Um, and I knew that that was not normal and that that was not something that had been there before. So I ended up going to, doctor and I couldn't get into my regular doctor right away. You know, of course, first thing you think is cancer, right? And you just want to get it checked out. Um, I, I got into another doctor, you know, she tried to convince me it was my cervix and I was like, no, honey, this is not my cervix. I know what my cervix is. And, um, lo and behold, there was a fibroid once I finally got the ultrasound and, you know, I didn't know much about fibroids. I'd not really heard of them before this. And so I, of course, started doing, digging into as much, you know, information that I could find about it and everything that was online, you know, basically kind of said to me, okay, the size that I had it at that point, it was the, my only option really was surgery or um, to do some kind of estrogen blocker that kicks you into early menopause. And I was not interested in that. So I decided, you know, that because it was causing so much sort of, um, grief at that point, I was anemic because of the blood loss. It was actually pushing out my tailbone. Um, and so it was even painful to really sit for very long because of that. So I decided to get what is called a myomectomy. And that is where they just go in and remove the fibroid or fibroids and leave your uterus intact. And this is, you know, geared towards women that want to still have babies. That was not me. And so I had to kind of fight to get a myomectomy because they pretty much want to do a hysterectomy if you don't want kids anymore or you're done having kids. And, um, you know, I, even though I didn't know as much about, um, hormones then as I do now, I knew that I wanted to keep my uterus, that I shouldn't take out my whole reproductive system, um, or the majority of my reproductive system, just because I had the, this fibroid. So I fought to get the myomectomy. They tell you, you know, they'll grow back 
if you get the myomectomy and I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll deal with that and do what I need to do to not have it grow back. And I remember thinking that beforehand and that came, you know, to me later and really put me on the path that I'm at now. But, you know, this first surgery of my life that was supposed to be pretty simple, it was laparoscopic. It was an overnight surgery. It is uh, more prone to complications than a traditional hysterectomy, um, which is just a, a day outpatient surgery, which is crazy to me, um, especially with what I know now and the complications that can occur. Um, but, you know, I just assumed I went to one of the, the premier um, gynecological surgery center, um, laparoscopic surgery center here in the Southeast. And so, you know, I was just going in getting that fibroid removed and was supposed to have downtime of two weeks. And then I was going to get back to life of dancing and, you know, I was um, planning this new program um, that I was going to do afterwards that included sort of going deeper into your health and connecting to these different things. So I was really excited for sort of the shift that was going to happen in my life post-surgery. And there was, you know, part of my soul that knew I needed a shift in my life. You know, I was really looking to shift my work in a lot of ways because I was exhausted. And that's going to come back here in a minute. So I had my surgery, you know, things supposedly went great. I went home the four hour drive home the next day, you know, was feeling horrible, which is not uncommon. Um, and then sort of gotten and got into bed and then, you know, the next day seemed to be a little bit better, I guess. Um, I was able to get up and move around a little bit and the next couple of days were, um, okay in terms of, you know, my swelling seemed to go down. Um, but I really couldn't do much. And then, Things progressively seemed to get worse, though I didn't know that at the time because I would wake up in the morning and I would feel okay, right? Because I hadn't eaten anything for a certain amount of hours. Um, I hadn't slept great, but, you know, I'd slept some. And so I'd be able to eat something in the morning and feel okay. And then halfway through the day, I would not feel okay. Um, walking was a struggle. My mom was staying with me. I lived in an apartment complex at the time and would walk around the apartment complex and like, just walking down this one hallway. I remember the hallway that I would just like, you know, bounce down all the time to go get my mail. I like could barely walk it in like 10 minutes. I mean, I just had to go so slow and looking back, you know, of course I think, God, why didn't I go to the ER? But at the time, you know, as a woman that we think this is, you know, I got to just get through the pain. This is part of the healing process from the surgery. I did make calls to the nurses from um, the nurses of my surgeon. As you're supposed to call if anything comes up. And I told them my pain level wasn't great. So they gave me some different pain medication. Um, at one point, you know, I called and told them that I was, um, that my stomach wasn't uh, going down enough really, um, in terms of the amount of inflammation that was happening. And then also, you know, one of the incisions that they made started to raise. And this is when I knew something was really wrong and that there was, um, some level of infection going on. Right. And they actually told me, oh, it's probably scar tissue. Just massage it, which is a horrible, horrible thing. (laughs) 
that they said to me instead of saying, you need to go to the ER. So finally, I had one night where I literally did not sleep a wink the entire night. I was in so much pain. Um, and one of the things that I remember most from this time before I finished that part of my story, I would, you know, when I did sleep, I would wake up multiple times a night and be in so much pain that the only thing that would calm my pain down was to get in a hot shower. And I would stand in that hot shower and just lean forward to let that hot water hit, um, particularly the right side of my back. Um, and that was the only thing that made a little bit of difference. Um, I also had, you know, I did a couple of enemas cause I was like, my, I'm just bowels are not moving very well. And I felt so, um, full in my stomach and, you know, finally that last night where I did not sleep a single wink the entire night. And I just knew something was really wrong. And I was up all night and I said to, you know, I knew as soon as my mom got up in the morning that would go to, there was like a, um, urgent care kind of place right down the street from my house. And I knew there was an infection, you know, I knew that I would have to take antibiotics. And I remember thinking, God, I don't want to take antibiotics because I'd worked so hard in my twenties to rebuild my gut health. And little did I know what awaited me. Um, so I went to urgent care as soon as it opened up, I think it was, you know, seven or 8am. And, um, luckily there was a doctor there who basically took one look at me and he knew I had sepsis. Um, my heart rate was skyrocketing. And what was fascinating was that my, um, I didn't actually have a fever at that point and I didn't have, um, high blood pressure. I think it was the other thing. Those are two other, you know, common, uh, uh, symptoms of sepsis. And I later, much later found out from a nurse that, um, I was already sort of past that initial stage of sepsis because the fever and the high blood pressure, um, happen on the early end. And then you're actually, you know, kind of in stage two or even stage three by the time those are kind of normalized and, but your heart rate is, is crazy high, um, your resting heart rate. And so, you know, I'm just beyond lucky that that doctor took one look at me and he looked at my infection or at that, um, incision, which was obviously infected. And he said, you know, I'm going to need you to go directly to the ER. I'm going to call them, tell them that you're coming. He's like, you don't, you don't need to go anywhere else. You need to go there. And I just burst out crying because I just knew that that, um, it was, you know, going to be a bad situation. Um, I don't remember if he mentioned the word sepsis then, but, uh, it was, you know, he definitely put it in my notes, my medical notes. And so I got to mission and they actually greeted me, uh, sorry, missions, the hospital here. And they greeted me at the door and took me right in. And then I was in the ER all day with, you know, they ran a battery of tests. They brought in 
um, the uh, gynecological sort of section to, to check me out because they, you know, knew that I had just had the surgery done two weeks before. And then they finally determined that, you know, all of these gastric juices and bacteria and infection was dumping into my abdominal cavity from my, um, from my colon and from my small intestine. And that's when they said, you know, I mean, they, they did some draining and all of that, but then they said, we need to go in to find out where the dumping is happening, where these holes are, you know, um, and, and close it up. So that was, you know, Friday night. So I was in the ER all day and it was probably nine or so that night that I went into my first emergency surgery and, you know, that's the last thing I remember really, um, until about 4am on Monday morning. I, there's a couple of moments, um, in the weekend when I was in the ICU that I was, um, aware, but, um, not, not very much, not very long. So they ended up cutting me open and they actually had to clean me out for a couple of hours. They used an insane amount of saline to clean out my abdominal cavity. My intestines were like all on top of each other, like just, just wrapped around each other. And so they had to unwrap everything. And then finally, you know, found the holes and the doctor surgeon said to my parents, you know, later that, that my colon was basically like ground beef. And so there was no possible way to sew it back together at that point. And so that's when they had to remove um, my entire ascending colon, which is the first part of your colon. And then about half of my transverse colon, which goes sort of across your stomach. So I lost, you know, between 40 and 50% of my colon. And then um, they basically, you know, said, we need to let her body take a breather. And so I believe that was a four or five hour surgery. And then I went to ICU and I was left open until Sunday morning where they did the second surgery, where they gave me an ostomy, um, took out the, you know, end of my small intestine. They actually had to cut out part of my small intestine too, during the initial surgery. So uh, they took out what was the remaining part of my terminal ileum, the end of that pulled it out and, um, set up that ostomy. I also got, uh, what's called a mucus fistula, which is actually also an ostomy. So the other end of my colon that was just kind of hanging <laughs> in my body, um, they tied up to my abdomen. Um, so mucus could come out because we naturally produce mucus in order to move our, um, move our bowels, right. To actually get stool out of our, our body. And, um, so I, you know, essentially woke up, um, 4am that Monday morning and I had a bag and I had a mucus fistula and I had a wound vac, um, because they could not close me back up, couldn't close my stomach back up. Um, you know, as they would traditionally, which is to either sew you back up or to uh, staple, staple you back up. They couldn't do that with me because of the sepsis. So I had a wound back for about six weeks. So all of that is to say that, you know, um, this fibroid caused a shitload of craziness in my life. It changed my life 150%. 
um, you know, the next six months of my life was both healing and getting prepared to have my reversal surgery, which was to remove the ostomy bag, um, drop my small intestine back into my body and to both sew and staple that to remind my remaining colon. So I no longer have an ostomy bag. I go to the bathroom in the traditional way again. And I was very lucky to be able to do that because not everyone can get um, a reversal surgery, unfortunately. So, um, you know, it was, it was profoundly life-changing and I came back again and again to what you know, caused me to go down this path in the first place. It was this fibroid that grew. And why did this fibroid grow? I knew there was hormonal imbalance, but I just wanted desperately to understand, you know, I thought I was doing everything right. I thought that I was really healthy. Um, and yet this massive fibroid had grown. And that's when I started to learn about things like estrogen dominance, things like, you know, estrogen metabolism, um, how these fibroids, the conditions under which they grow. And I recognized that the life that I had been living, the hustle that I had been doing in my business, I'd had my own business for about probably seven years at that point, the constant stress of that, the constant hustle, the constant, never feeling like I was doing enough, never feeling like I was good enough, um, wanting support, needing support, feeling like I wasn't getting it. That all was a huge part of this fibroid growth. And I'm not going to go into exactly how that's all connected um, today, because that would um, keep you here for a really, really long time. But I will just say that stress, if you missed my um, present in my webinar yesterday, I kind of, I broke this all down for you. Um, and it's going to be available in my online school too, if you want to get it starting next week. Stress directly impacts our sex hormones, right? And so when you're under this constant stress, in my case with the hustle and then not feeling supported and all of these things, it really ramps up your cortisol output and it really ramps down your um, sex hormones and particularly ramps down your progesterone, which you need to level out the estrogen, right? Not to mention liver health. And this is something that I knew that stuff was going on with my liver, but I was a little bit in denial about it because my liver looked fine on all of my, you know, tests and everything. Just, I knew intuitively that things weren't feeling right. And now I understand how important your liver is for this estrogen metabolism. And when things are all off, you know, also anger and anxiety that all resides in your liver too. Right. And so you're just feeding this growth from all of these different aspects. And I decided like, this is not going to happen to me again. You know, I'm not going to let this happen to me again. And I don't want it to happen to any other woman. I don't want her to have to go through what I went through. And while I understand that my situation is unique and most women that get a myomectomy are fine, I do know, you know, women that have had hysterectomies, myomectomies, et cetera, that landed in a similar situation as to me. As far as we know, I got burnt in three places in my intestine, probably from the tool, which is heated, that they cut the fibroid out. Most other women, when they end up, when they end up with an ostomy bag from one of these surgeries, it's because they get what we call nicked 
in the colon. So, you know, they, there's cutting tools that they use and they accidentally nick the colon because everything's so close in there, right? So my situation is unique. Um, it's not something that's going to happen to most women, but I believe that I went through this so that I can help other women on this path of reclaiming your hormonal balance so you can reclaim yourself and your life, right? Because there's always a deeper issue going on when you have these hormonal imbalances and, you know, there's, it's not simple. Like, I'm not going to say it's simple at all. If you've listened to this podcast, you know, it's not, but I have figured out, you know, the base things that you need to get to and you need to focus on in order to support your hormones, your hormones in order for this to not happen to you. So in other words, I am passionate about the work that I do now because of this personal experience that I went through. You know, there's um, no way I think to not be passionate about something if it almost killed you. (laughs) You know, I mean, we are changed by these experiences that happen in our lives and hopefully we can do something good with it. And that's what I'm trying to do. And this is what I... um, take into every day when I work with my clients and I work with women in my programs. And that is why I'm so happy to bring this program to you. That is really the culmination of all the things that I've been through that I've seen with clients that I've learned. I'm continuing to learn, um, bringing all of that together alongside the group setting that is essential, I think, to really deep growth. So the name of this program, and it starts here in mid-January, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. It is called the Hormone Breakthrough Blueprint. And this program is something that I decided, you know, and I have other programs that you are, that are self-guided that are just kind of like, you know, information, um, about these different areas that I've learned, right. About your liver health, about your adrenal health, about your gut. And that's also part of this program. Don't get me wrong. But when we talk blueprint, that's specific, right? That's specific to who you are as an individual and what is happening in your body at this time that underlies this hormonal imbalance. And so I realize and recognize how important it is to bring in testing, which I do with my clients all the time. That's how we know what to do, right? Specifically what to do, because one symptom can mean a million different things. When we see the test, we don't guess, right? We know what we're working with. And so I realized how important that was to bring into this program so that you understand your own blueprint and you work with those specific things that are going on in your body in order to shift and change things. So this program will, um, a huge component of it is it will include a comprehensive serum panel, AKA blood panel. So this is, you know, um, somewhat like the panel that you would get done with your doctor every year, but it's even more comprehensive. You know, unfortunately, a lot of times you'll get one marker for your thyroid that doesn't tell us all that much. 
this panel has a full thyroid panel included. You know, sometimes you'll learn what your iron is or maybe your ferritin. You're lucky if you get both. This has a whole iron panel on it. Um, there is, uh, you know, markers for different B vitamins on there. There's electrolytes. There's so many different things that get really specific to you, your vitamin D levels, um, you know, inflammation levels that we can really see what's going on. This is not from a medical standpoint. Let me make that really clear. We do not, you know, diagnose or treat or any of those things. We look at these labs from a functional perspective to see what your nutritional deficiencies are. Right. And so we know then how to support your body with specific foods, specific nutrients. Um, so you're not just like guessing and taking a random supplement. You're like, Oh, I've heard B vitamins are good. So I'm going to take that. That may not be what you need. And so this test helps guide you on what you need. And part of the program is that I will do an assessment and work with you specifically on what your, you know, shows up here. And so we can create a master plan for you. Um, and that underlies your liver health, your adrenal health, your thyroid health, your gut health, right? And those are the huge major components of your hormones. So they are what powers your hormones. Yes. Sometimes you need to go in and do specific things for, you know, um, your estrogen or your progesterone, but you don't want to jump there. You want to get at the underlying things first, especially, you know, if you're late perimenopause, it may be a little different. You may need to jump ahead a little bit, but for the most part, women are missing these underlying components. If you jump to specific hormones, it's going to mess things up worse. You need to get at the root cause of why this dysfunction is happening, you know, and so much of it can be again, your adrenals, your thyroid, all of those things. And so we'll get, we're going to get really clear on that. You're also at the same time going to learn specific ways to support your gut health. There are some basic foundations that so many of us are missing out on. It can be like magic with my clients, just getting some of these foundations in gear, you know? So you'll learn about those. You'll learn ways to support your liver and how your liver just plays this massive role in your hormone balance that is so underestimated and getting that in check I mean, can change everything. So we'll, you'll learn about how all of those work alongside learning about how your cycle works. Most women don't know how their cycle works. I didn't know until a few years ago, you know, specifically how it works so that you can understand when things go wrong, why they are going wrong. You're going to learn all of that stuff. You're going to have that comprehensive lab specific to you. And then we're going to dive into an upgrade. If you would like to upgrade an actual comprehensive hormone panel, um, the Dutch test, if you've heard of that before, that's going to be an optional upgrade in this program. And what's so exciting to me is that we have the, um, one of the medical directors at precision analytical who makes the Dutch, she's going to be one of our special guests in this program, teaching you how to read the Dutch. So whether or not you actually upgrade and take the Dutch, 
you're still going to learn how to read it. And what's cool about that, even if you don't take it during the program, you're going to have access to this program forever. So if you want to, you know, take the Dutch down the road, you can go back and watch this video and learn how to read it yourself. And I really wanted to do this because, you know, if you're a client and you're listening, you know that I, when you get the Dutch, I like go through every little point with you. I get it that that still may not like click in your head because it's a lot of information. It's comprehensive test. There's a lot of different aspects and connections to it. You know, I like to really empower people to understand this testing um, so that you can come back to it again and again and use it um, and, and get it and get what's going on in your body, you know, because unfortunately these tests aren't just like, here's your information and I know what to do. It doesn't work that way. Right. So you're going to learn via Dr. Debbie Rice, one of the assistant medical director at Dutch, um, how to read it. So that's like super, super cool. Um, and you know, that way you have that information for the long haul. I'm really trying to empower you for the long haul. And this program gets at what you need to know, whether you're 28 or whether you're 49, you know, um, when it comes to your hormones and that's what you're going to need to know for the long term. this program is geared towards women in their thirties and forties, but if you're 28 and you're having like some major hormone issues, come on, you know, if you're 51 and haven't had, you're not menopause yet, come on. And the only reason I'm not having women in menopause in this program is because it's a, it's a different, you know, animal. And I would definitely will have something for menopausal women in the future because it's, you know, a really, really important time where you don't get a lot of support, but really we're looking, you know, in your thirties and forties, when these kind of massive shifts are starting to happen in your hormones and getting in there and doing these root cause things, or it's going to change the whole tra trajectory of your, the rest of your hormonal life. And I'm excited to share that with you. Um, so the other aspect of why I'm so excited to do this program is that you're going to have a group of women that you're doing this alongside. Right. And so a lot of times people were like, I've had clients come to me and they're like, well, you know, I don't know if I really want to do a program because I really want this one-on-one -on -one support and, you know, um, specifics around what I'm going through. And I'm like, I hear you. And, you know, I love supporting my clients. Don't get me wrong, but like, I can't support day in, day out, right? In a program, you're going to get the support of every other woman that's going through something, you know, very similar to you, if not specifically similar, like big picture similar. And you're going to learn so much from each other and you're going to get so much support from each other. And then I'm going to be in there we have our group, you know, and I'm going to be in there Monday through Friday answering questions too. And, you know, I say Monday through Friday, because one of the things I will teach you in this program is boundaries and how important boundaries are when it comes to your hormones. And my boundary is I do not work on the weekends. And that is a big lesson I had to learn because I used to work whenever all the time trying to get things done. I understand now from our hormonal balance, how important it is to have that designated time off. Right. So Monday through Friday, I'll be answering questions too. Um, and so you get this growth on a different level when you're going through this experience with other women, right? 
and you have these things written down. So basically you'll get a packet every Monday for the eight weeks of the program starts January 17th. You'll get that packet on Monday with that specific week's focus, right? And you'll get to read through it and learn things and ask questions and learn from each other. And that's going to help you sort of absorb this information. I think even more than in like one hour sessions, one-on-one, right? Because it can feel like a lot sometimes in that hour, right? Here you get to take more of your time because you have that group support that you can tap into, um, you know, whenever, I mean, you can post on the group, whenever, and then you may not get a response for like a couple hours if it's 5 a.m., but you are going to get a response within, you know, a little while and you can talk back and forth and have a conversation. And so I can't tell you, you know, from the programs that I've done, especially the hormone programs, hormone trainings that I've done, I've so appreciated that group support because you learn so much from that process and you feel held you feel the community and the connection. And that is something that we're missing out on so much these days. Right. And especially when you're going through the experience of hormonal dysregulation and disruption, you can feel really alone in it. And so I'm so excited for this program to give that support and that connection to you. And, you know, there's nothing like it. And I know that that is, magic in a lot of ways. And it's magic that I can't do on my own. It's magic that happens when a group comes together. And it's also why I'm limiting this program because when, you know, programs get too big, then you don't have that sort of connection and closeness. So it will be a limited amount of people. Um, the other things that you'll get, we'll talk mindset. I also talked about this a lot in yesterday's presentation webinar. Um, again, it was called, what was it called? Um, why making yourself number one is the only way you're going to get your hormones to chill the F out. So we talked about mindset in there, and this is a big, huge thing that I, you know, focus more and more on because if we don't shift our mindset, we get caught in the old stuff and like our system, our adrenals in particular, and our thyroid too gets sort of caught in the same track. And so we got to change things at a mindset level um, and an energetic level too. And really working with ways to deal with your stress differently through energetic support um, is huge. So we'll go into all of that too. Um, we'll have guest speakers, you know, on these different topics too, which I love bringing in other experts because I don't know everything, you know, and I'll get to learn too. And you'll get to learn even more than just me talking to you about stuff. So we'll have a live session every week. You know, there will be um, five to six guest speakers. And then we have a couple extra bonus speakers too, that will um, be some fun stuff. So this is this program that I am just, you know, it, it really warms my heart to be able to, to do this work and, and to share it and to help support women, you know, to, to really get to a place where they don't have to experience the horrible, horrible things that can go wrong when your hormones are off, you know, not just what I went through, but I see women all the time, really, really struggling. And I want that to change. And I know that it can change and there's so much that we can do to make it change. So if this is something that is interesting to you, go to my website. I'll put the website in my notes to uh, this episode, christinegarvin.com backslash hormone 
breakthrough blueprint and it has all of the information about the program there on that page. I'm running a special. And so I will tell you, you know, just the comprehensive serum panel alone with an assessment would normally be $499. Okay. So just that alone. And that inclusive of the whole program is actually going to be $1,199. So you get your eight weeks, you get all of that information, you get all the teaching, you get all the support and including that test plus the interpretation, which normally you have to pay almost $500 just for that. Um, $1,199 is the cost of this eight week program. But until Sunday, December 5th, it is available for $8.99. And that is a drop dead date for that amount because that's, I'm almost giving it away for nothing. If you think that the test costs, you know, inter- interpretation costs almost $500, is like nothing. So um, I'm just excited to have you be a part of it. And so I'm offering that until this Sunday. If you know you want to do it, I'd say jump on it right now. Um, there is also an installment plan option that you can get. And that is also going to be on special too until um, Sunday. It's normally $319 a month for four months. I don't remember exactly what it is for the special, but it is on the website. So again, go to my website, christinegarvin.com backslash hormone breakthrough blueprint to read all about it. Here's the deal. If you want to talk to me about it before you sign up, I get it. We can have a conversation on the phone. We can have a conversation by email. Shoot me an email. Let me know. We can get on the phone, Zoom, what have you for 10 minutes and talk about it. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I'm excited to do this. I'm excited for you to be a part of it if it feels right in your life right now. And I really want it to feel right in your life right now. I never want to pressure anybody to try and do a program. Like it needs to feel right for you and right for your path. And I will tell you, you know, the cost of this program is quite a bit cheaper than working with me one-on-one. Um, and you get a lot, you get a lot from this program. So I hope that if it calls to you, that you're able to be a part of it. And um, if not, hopefully sometime in the future. And I really appreciate you being here. Um, you know, I'm all sad and not sad, but um crying today, obviously, on this podcast. Um, just going through all of this stuff coming up and um reigniting my purpose through the shadow elements that you know have shown up in my life to get me on this path and um i hope that you are doing okay wherever you are in the world right now and i'll be back next week with a guest um i've got a couple of other great guests for the rest of this 2021 i can't believe we're almost done But, um, you know, in the meantime, I hope things are well and I will see you next time.